welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. All right, another Q&A episode, episode number 520-something. Yeah, they're getting up there, dude. <laughs> they are getting up there. <laughs> Episode one thousand. You know, we we uh, I w- we might as well say this because it might be going into effect. But I'd love to get people's opinion on this. So yeah, um, you can just click the question form that's in the description of this podcast and let us know there. But we're thinking about starting uh, the Monday motivations back up, mm-hmm. so we'd have four episodes per week. Um, and I just want to know your feedback. They were the the easiest quickest and most simple for us to do because really it's like a topic and a lesson and I just fucking go on a rant yeah. really but I feel like I always got the most uh, engagement and best feedback from those episodes like for it sure. just fired people up on a Monday so yeah. um, I've been craving to get them going again I think we're going to but let us know if you guys like that I know for a podcast is kind of a lot yeah for people I mean it's a lot for us too but um, especially you but um, <laughs> the uh, I feel like sometimes I even like, I'm subscribed to some podcasts. I'm like, dude, I can't even keep up. Yeah. So I get that. But um, I'm also subscribed to ones that like Joe Rogan's. Yeah. Fucking, they're three hours long a piece. Yeah. So that's a little bit different. But we're thinking about doing that. So if you guys um, obviously have any questions, click the link, ask us questions. Uh, if you have feedback on the Monday motivations, I'd love to hear it. It just helps me know what you guys want to learn more about, hear more about, hear me talk about what my mind is thinking on a certain subject or whatever it may be just so we can provide the best yep. podcast experience for you. Yeah. I know I love them. I mean, I don't sit in the same room when you record them, so I listen to them oh, yeah, yeah. on Mondays or whatever, but I know a lot of people that enjoyed them. I like doing it when I record them. I like doing them early in the morning here. For sure. Because it's like after I journal, I come right in here and I haven't worked yet. Yeah. Like I just got here and it's like stuff fresh on your mind. Yeah. I go yeah. right into it. Um, but yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna do it regardless. But I would love to get your guys, <laughs> I'd love to get your guys' feedback, uh, so we can so we can know more about that. Um, shout out to everybody who jumped on the Black Friday special last week and got into the Taylor Trainer. I'm stoked to uh, to get you guys going. Um, if you guys missed that, um, sorry, I'm you sorry. missed it. Um, but make sure you keep a lookout for those kind of things. And if you are listening to this podcast right now, it is too late for me to give you the Black Friday special. But if you missed out on it and you're pissed at yourself, then you can shoot me an email, Cody at tailoredcoachingmethod.com, and I can hook you up with a different discount code that I created for the listeners of this podcast um, to get into the Taylor Trainer, which again is, is our membership platform where we deliver intelligent, safe, and proven to be effective training programs that are periodized and done for you. You get them on an app, um, and it just makes everything super simple. Actually, dude, I'm going to read this real quick. Hold on one sec. Yep. I saw that on your desk. Well, I didn't look at it, but I saw it said thank you on so the, the cover. This is a member of the Taylor Trainer. Dope. And I didn't even plan this, but this is perfect. Um, she, she mailed me a card. Cody, dear Cody, after listening to several of your podcasts, I realized how little I knew about fitness and nutrition. As an extremely self-motivated 41-year-old woman, I was so frustrated with feeling that I needed to be challenged in the gym. My workouts were, my workouts were never hard enough. I decided to try your program after hearing you say it was only $2 a day. It's only 2 bucks a day, guys. I am almost eight weeks into the female conjugate method, which I don't even know exactly what that means, and I knew on day one that I had finally found what I have been searching for. I love going to the gym now more than ever before. I know exactly what I am doing. I have a plan, and it is very challenging. I've actually had a professional NFL football player comment on how effective my workouts seem to be. Damn. Crazy. Um, I have to give credit to you and say thank you. My body and brain have found the ultimate training plan. From Leah. Thank you, Leah. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. It's a pretty fucking badass testimonial. 
now I'm like, I got to type that up because yeah. we got to get that on Instagram and stuff. But um, super, super cool. I already sent her a message thanking her. But um, like I, stuff like that makes me so happy because it's like, it's literally like she's like, when I heard it, less than $2 a day. Like, yeah. That's so damn cheap. Yeah. And the fact that she's saying her programming is more challenging, it's more fun. She's not getting injured. She's getting results. People are noticing what she's doing. And the biggest thing for me is like, if you're that pumped up about it that you felt the need to send me a card in the mail like that tells me that like it's a little more effort than yeah it's it's really having an effect on you yeah. you know what I mean like I've done good training programs but then I've done programs that like change how I look at training and and, and really get me excited to be in the gym and that's the most important thing if For you're not sure. fired up to get in there then yeah what's the point yeah you know what I mean that's like totally awesome but yeah, so that was really That's cool. Dope. Great did, testimonial from from Leah. How did she send it to you? Um, she sent me an email and was like, uh, "I I sent you a card, but it, it got sent back to me. Um, is your address wrong on Google?" And so I googled the business, and it's still In Milton. Yeah, but I've I've requested to change it twice. Oh. So it's so, it's it's so shows a uh, a post office when you type in tailored coaching method it shows a picture of a post office on Google because, the one in Milton yeah because it's my PO box oh. from back in the day when I first started the business yeah and I've tried to change it a bunch of times to this warehouse but I don't think I think because this warehouse uh, lot or whatever is so new Google yeah. doesn't recognize it yet because sure. it never works yep I keep trying to do it yep so now I'm like I might just put the crossroad or something yeah so we're how did she send it to you? She emailed me and she was like, do you have a different... How did she send that physical card? To, I gave to her your I, apartment? No, she sent it here. I gave her this address. Where do you get mail here? Uh, we have a mailbox here. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. All I right. Just, uh, I check it every few days. That's yeah. where like uh, Nick Shaw just sent me that book. Uh, I'm actually stoked to read that. Nick Shaw from Renaissance Periodization. Yeah. He's the founder and the CEO, which we have him coming on the podcast. I think I'm, I'm actually interviewing him next week, I think, or the week after week after. Um, but he wrote a book on success. So it's like kind of, which is cool because RP is a huge company. They've done a lot of cool things in the industry. They've really changed the way education works mm. in the fitness space. Um, they have some of the biggest named speakers and authors on their staff. You know, I've had all of them except Nick on the podcast. So this will be the last one of the team. Yeah. Um, but like for that, like to see, like, because everybody hears all about Mike Isertel, right? Yeah. He's, like, known for volume and bodybuilding. Everybody hears about Dr. James Hoffman because he's really well-known for his recovery research and not books and stuff like that. A lot of people know uh, Dr. Mel, uh, who is, like, more on the psychology. I had her on the podcast as well. Yeah. Dr. Gabrielle Fundaro, which is, like, a gut health specialist. So these, like, big names of the content world, you know? Nick is, like, the man orchestrating this behind the scenes. Wow. So I've always been curious okay. about like, what do you do, man? Like, how did you think to start this? Like, what what are you doing behind the scenes to make sure that everybody's doing this? As, yeah. as a business owner and a CEO, like that shit like interests me. For sure. So, um, so he was like, before I get on your podcast, well, yeah, read he, my he, book. <laughs> yeah, he shot me an email and he was like, hey, like uh, I was on Cody Smith's podcast and I asked him, you know, does he have any recommendations for podcasts I should get on before my book launch? And he suggested yours. So I just want to shoot you an email, wow. see if you'd be interested in checking out my book. Actually, he didn't even ask to be on my podcast. He just said, I asked Cody if there was any business owners that would be interested in my book. And he said me. And I said, man, I'd love to have you on the podcast too. And then he was like, hey, I'll send the book. So I just got the book. I'm going to try to read it. Yeah. Or at least go through it. I only got two weeks to read it, which I'm yeah. not that fast of a reader. Yeah. So I'll get through some of it. But Good for Cody. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. He's killing it. Yeah. He, uh, shout out to his podcast. He has the Virtuous Fitness podcast, and then he has the Men on the Rise podcast, which is actually... Which is super dope. Yeah, that's been actually, like, it's cool because he's a mentor client of mine. I've been on that podcast, but it's also, like, I, like, subscribe and listen to his podcast, not because I just want to be nice to my client, but because, like, I really want to hear For what sure. he has to say and these people that he's interviewing. Um, and it's cool too. Like he had, uh, his first interview was Jack Donovan and it's like, man, I've read multiple books from that guy. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Um, so really, really well-known author that only talks about men. Like he just writes, like he, the, I'm re-listening to it. Um, it's called the way of men, but it talks about tribalism and all that kind of stuff. He has one, it's like something about the barbarian and talks about like Vikings and barbarians back in the day and how they were, but kind of like getting to the roots of humans and men yeah. like how we operate for sure like from a uh what's what's the word from a like a 
creature level, you know, like a animalistic level yeah, kind of like thing. Species. Species, yeah. Maybe that's where it, I don't know. We're like yeah. Neanderthals essentially, yeah. but um but yeah, really, really cool podcast. So check that out if there's any guys listening that are into men's health and self-development and stuff like that. It's called Men on the Rise. Cool. So All right, guys. Um yeah. Q and A. I don't think yeah, we don't think we have any more announcements. Nope, not after um the the t- I will say follow my Instagram closely because we will be announcing the t-shirts soon. Uh, by the time this airs out, we might be like getting ready to launch the page. Basically, as we're recording this, I'm literally just waiting for the shirts to get to my house so I can put it on and be like, I like this and then yeah. have you take a picture of us wearing it. Cool. Um, so those will be in effect soon. We're still doing it. It's going to, uh, we're doing a Make-A-Wish Foundation. So this is... Because it's Christmas, we figured. I don't. Did I already say that we're doing it for this? No, you. I think I said I didn't know. D- we're doing DV. We're doing what? Domestic violence. Uh, we still are. Just oh. not. It won't be this one. We decided to go with like a Christmas theme for oh. this one. Oh. Um, basically, uh, you know what make a wish is, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like we're uh, depending on how much you raise, you can either do one of two things: either a, you contribute to somebody's wish, or b, if you make enough, you buy that wish, which would obviously be our goal. Yeah. We'd have to raise quite a bit of money. Wow. But it'd basically be like, this person wants to hang out with Rob Deerdeck. That yeah. Would, that would be my wish. Yeah. Probably. And then, like, they paid to make it happen. Totally. Um, But, yeah, so we figured we'd do that for, for Christmas, and the next one will launch early next year, and that one will probably be for domestic violence. Sick. We have, like, a list of different ones that we want to yep. do that are... Dude, we're like, going to knock them all out. Yeah. Like, next year, we'll have... It'll be nice because we'll have a, a system now that we're... Yep. dialing things in even with the apparel company like had a meeting and was like all right we need to know exactly how many to order how long the ship like how long the lead time is how long to ship it what kind of print you're doing so we don't mess it up again like everything was dialed in so now that we have this like hopefully running hopefully yeah <laughs> we can just pump them out every couple months yep so i like that yeah i'm excited all right cool guys let's get right to it um the first one comes from powers amid Amide, thoughts on multivitamins. Which micros should we be more aware of? You can head to buylegion.com slash boom boom and <laughs> get 20% off. Receive 20% off at checkout. Uh, you should do that. But um, I think multivitamins, it's kind of one of those things where like if you're in a bulk, like if you're in a surplus and you are practicing a good flexible dieting approach meaning 80 to 90% of your diet is still whole foods. You're still getting like a good flexible diet basically has kind of like a checklist, right? Like, are you getting your fiber? Yes. Are you getting three to four servings of greens a day? Yes. Are you getting one to three servings of fruit? Yes. Lean protein? Yes. Omega-3 fats? Yes. You got all these check marks? Go have ice cream. I don't give a shit. Like you got your check marks for health. And there's actually research that shows a flexible diet versus a rigid meal plan diet. The flexible diet actually is more beneficial from a micronutrients perspective, vitamins and minerals, because uh, the, uh, the the rigid diet doesn't have as much variety. So you're not going to get the opportunity to get as many vitamins and minerals. But my point being is if you're following that kind of approach, which we advocate, and you're in a surplus, you don't need, you don't absolutely need a multivitamin because you're probably getting everything you need to get through your diet if you're eating whole foods. Totally. You know? um, especially if you're eating enough fruits and vegetables. Uh, the the time I would still recommend it for people who are at maintenance or a surplus is number one if you have the extra money to spend and you are f- health conscious and focused then you absolutely should do it because it's kind of like an insurance policy Definitely. why not just be sure yeah. that you're getting enough right uh, the second thing is if you're even if you're in a surplus but you're super active or you're super lean, I probably would still do it. And then last but not least, if you're in a cut, I would do it for sure. And the reason for those last two is because uh, they've done studies on bodybuilders and, and high-performing athletes. So there's a spectrum, you know, how much does this apply to me versus like a competitive athlete? But still, it's it's the theory that matters, like the concept, and that's that if you as you get leaner and or as you diet, you're probably eating less fat, right? Because you're in a diet or you store less fat because you're leaner because you're an athlete. You're more likely to become deficient in fat-soluble vitamins, things like vitamin D, for example. Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. You need fat in order to 
absorb it. Yep. Um, so if not enough fat's coming in through the diet or is already stored in your body, you're going to have trouble really holding on to vitamin D, which would mean vitamin D and other fat soluble vitamins might be advent, like it might be advantageous to take them as a supplement. Um, if you're training super hard and or dieting, you're probably one drinking a lot of water, which means you're peeing more. And if you're training hard, you're probably sweating a lot, which means you're not only replenishing water, but you're also depleting a lot of water and flushing out a lot of things. So you could be potentially flushing out uh, vitamins and minerals, specifically water soluble vitamins and minerals. So if we take that into consideration, it's kind of one of those, again, it's an insurance policy to say like, hey, you might be more likely to be deficient in these things because of your lifestyle and your health activities. So let's add this multivitamin just just to be 100% sure. For sure. You know, and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So I would recommend it. Um, I, I do like, I actually have been recommending Legion's multivitamin for at least a year, if not more, prior to even working with them, mm. being a, an affiliate of them. Because um, most multivitamins are extremely underdosed. So you spend all this money and it's like, you just take one pill a day. And it's like, you get such little of everything in that one pill that yep. it's just like pointless, yep. you know? Um, whereas Legion, full transparency, you have to take eight fucking pills a day. So four in the morning, four at night. It's a lot of pills for a multivitamin. Like, you know, wow. they have like those multivitamins say one a day. Yeah. Like, it's like eight a day. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck that. Yeah. But if you look at the, the label compared to other ones, there's so much more of everything and there's more things in it. So when I talked to Mike about it, he was basically, and I've said this on the podcast too, he was like, dude, I, if there was a way for me to give people less pills, trust me, I would. I understand it's way more appealing to take a couple than it is eight, but I'm not willing to sacrifice the quality of it. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I sacrifice quality, I'll have to like drop the dose, which isn't going to be as effective. Nope. So, um, so there's a reason why it's, it's that much, but I do recommend it for most people. Um, I would recommend legions over anybody's. And, and as we always say, because we're sponsored by them. Go check them out. Buylegion.com slash boom boom. Yep. All right, cool. Let's get to the second question is from Tiffany Jones Fitness. How to train with adrenal fatigue and not overstress your body, but still achieve results? Mm. This is where I think like a functional bodybuilding approach really comes in handy. Um, and what I mean by that is like, Usually people who experience adrenal fatigue in the training world, at least they, they love high intensity training. That's usually mm. how they got there, which is typically there's, there's people who get adrenal fatigue that just, that do yoga, but they are a business owner who sleeps four hours a night. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's other people that have the issue too, but most people listen to this podcast that experience adrenal fatigue, which is actually called HPA axis dysfunction, uh -huh. but I think it's so stupid. The medical community basically like slanders you if you call it adrenal fatigue, like oh. you're an idiot. But HPA axis dysfunction is okay, which basically means that your adrenals are worn out. <laughs> so why can't I say adrenal yeah. fatigue? <laughs> you know, it's like, but um, I usually say adrenal fatigue. People know what I'm talking about. But um, most people get there because they're doing CrossFit, they're doing powerlifting, they're doing high intensity modalities. So they're like either going high intensity from like a standpoint of like, you never let your heart rate calm down like CrossFit or you're lifting super heavy weights like CrossFit and powerlifting and stuff like that. Training too much of that stuff will lead to this. So a lot of times I like using a functional bodybuilding approach just in the sense that we're still using dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells, free weights so they feel kind of comfortable and in, in their own zone because that's what they love doing most. And then we just drop the volume and intensity quite a bit. Mainly intensity. Yeah. So so for people like this, I usually like an upper lower split uh, because full body full body can be okay, but I think four days a week of upper lower splits usually good. Full body works, but the frequency is higher, which can cause more fatigue for some people. Um, but either way, four days a week, I don't like going over that. So if you if you're experiencing this and you're training five or six days a week, that's your first thing. Chop off a couple of days. Only train four days a week. Your conditioning day should be 100% aerobic based. So you're not doing sprints. You're not doing like circuits. You're not doing metcons. You're yeah. literally throw a weight vest on and go on a walk, right? Or jump on the rower and row at a slow pace for 20 minutes, like. You're breathing and you're sweating, yeah. but it's not overly intense. It's not going to wear your nervous system down. 
Um, and you can do that a couple times a week. Um, you could even do it three. If you really are the type that likes to be active every day, do that three times a week, lift four times a week. Um, no reps under six. Um, and all the compound lifts add intensification techniques that force you to lower the loads. So if I'm doing a bench press, I'm not going to go less than six reps, which limits how much weight I can do because the lower reps, the heavier the weight is. And then I'm going to add, I'm going to make it a segmented rep where I'm taking pauses on the way down, or I'm going to add a long pause at the bottom. I'm going to do a slow negative. I'm going to do anything that limits how hard I can push, but still feels really intense. Is, Is there multiple kinds of segmented um, yes, only if it's a uh, different exercise, okay. but segmented li- lift is basically literally just like pause at a quarter way down, pause halfway down, pause at the bottom, pause halfway up, pause three quarters up. But pause it, at the yeah. Bottom. I guess you could change the, how long you pause and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, three set, three but, second negative to five second negative. Yeah. But the point is, is, is we're adding these intensification techniques. So your mind feels like it's really challenging yeah and it is challenging from a muscular level but your nervous system isn't taking as big of a hit because it's not as heavy yeah as, as the normal training we do is um but that would be i mean that would be my main thing like four days a week two to three aerobic days no hard anaerobic or glycolytic conditioning at all um i would make sure the person's getting seven plus hours of sleep we know by research seven to nine is the sweet spot. And they even show studies that show people getting six versus seven, which you wouldn't think is that big of a difference. Yeah. The people getting seven are so much more well-rested and perform so much better than the people getting six. Like you would think it's hours difference. Wow. And there's a lot of us, even myself included, where I'll sleep six hours. I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah. I feel great. Ditto. But I probably don't. Yeah. <laughs> like I know for a fact when I do sleep seven, eight hours, I'm like, oh shit, no, I feel way better. Yeah. Um, so getting sleep, um, eating adequate carbs throughout the day, making sure you're not in a deficit, only lifting four days a week, only doing aerobic conditioning, um, said anaerobic, and then adding intensification techniques to your compounds and making sure you're not going below six reps so that you limit load. Yeah. That would be all of my advice kind of wrapped up in a nutshell. Totally. For somebody in this situation. With adrenal fatigue. Yep. All right, cool. Um, next one comes from Y. IA, yeah, nutrition. In a reverse, but my, w- oh, I think she's saying she is in a reverse, but my weight goes up during my cycle. How do you gauge water weight versus fat gain? Uh, first and foremost, if you're in a reverse diet, you're probably increasing carbohydrates. If you're increasing carbohydrates, every one gram of carb is going to pull in three to four grams of water, which means as you add carbs, you are going to add weight. But if you're pulling water in, that means you're adding water weight. And guess where carbs store with water? In the muscle. Yeah. So it's really not bad weight. So if you're reverse dieting, you just have to be ready for your weight to go up a little bit because it's it's, it's going to happen, you yeah. know? Um, so that's the first thing to think about. The second thing to think about is if you notice every single month at the same time, your weight goes up. Yeah. Blame it on the cycle. Yeah. You know, it's not fat accumulation because a period doesn't make you gain fat. A period makes you hold water yeah unless a period uh some people have way worse cravings than others so unless you get your period you have cravings you end up eating more and that puts you in a surplus consistently and you always overeat during that period that's where we'd go okay let's tweak the diet a little bit to avoid overeating during that period you know i've even done it to where we've done uh their deloads and diet breaks during their menstrual cycle because it combats all that. So it's like, hey, we're giving you more food and deloading training so you can deal with cravings a little bit easier and you're recovering better yeah. during the time you need it most. Yeah. And people's phase, uh, phases change. So sometimes it's every three weeks, sometimes it's every four weeks, and it kind of just shifts on that three to five week scale of when we implement these. But that's a good strategy if you notice it happening consistently. But only if, if you're you're overeating or having adherence issues during your cycle. If yeah. it's if you're just gaining a few pounds every time your cycle hits, then you just have to accept that water weight's gonna fluctuate. Yeah, that was my time. question. What what does gaining during your cycle mean? Does that mean two pounds or six pounds or it depends on the person. Yeah. There's uh Obviously not. Six, I mean, but, obviously yeah. there's, there's, you know, I would imagine the bigger you are, the more potential you have to retain water because you have more mass to retain water in. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's different, man. I know people it's, it's literally a pound. There's people that don't fluctuate. I know people I've, I've helped people that they, they're losing and losing and losing. And then they just maintain during their period. And we know they're actually probably down a pound because their fluctuation made it seem like they're not losing, but they're still losing or they continue losing through the period. 
I know other people that'll gain four pounds, five pounds. Some people it's like two or three. Yeah. I think the most common I see is, is anywhere between one to three, but there are outliers that gain four or five pounds wow. and then it flushes away. It's crazy. Wow. But you can also look in the, in the mirror, like look at your visual appearance. Like you, I know for a fact, like I can look at myself in the mirror and know like I'm fucking up on my diet or damn, I had too much salt yeah. last night, you know? Cause sometimes like, well, <laughs> I remember this actually happened not long ago. I, I was cooking and, uh, which is a rare occurrence <laughs> and, uh, I was putting the seasoning on the veggies and Blakely wants, always wants to help. Right, so I'm like holding there and we're doing it together and she like smacks it and just salt just dumps all over the carrots. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So there was some that were just like, like oh, salt licks. But <laughs> um, but like that's a good example. Like I had more salt that night. Yeah. When I wake up in the morning, I look a little watery. I'm up a pound. I'm not going to be like, oh, fuck, I fucked up. I need to cut my calories. God damn it, it's Blakely. Like, it's like, well, Blakely put too much salt on my carrots <laughs> yeah. and I'm retaining water. Yeah. So you can usually visually see it. Um, some people retain water in their limbs a lot too. So like I know for me, if I have more than three or four glasses of wine or beers, which – is 95% of the time when I drink. Yeah. My fingers fucking oh, yeah. swell, dude. My ring barely comes off. My yeah. an- I can see like where my socks are on my ankles. Like yeah. I just get cankles. Absolutely. Um, so that's something to think about too. Like maybe you look in the mirror and you look fine. Look at your fingers. Look dude, at your toes. Finger joints hurt so bad after a night of drinking. Really? Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Just like I wake up and they're all puffy. Yeah. My fingers just get fat. They don't hurt. Oh. They just look weird to me. Yeah. But, um, but those are all signs. So like, I mean... That's, I mean, that's essentially how you distinguish between the two. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a, it's a good question, uh, because I think a lot of people need to understand that and have that awareness around it. So they don't let it fuck with their head for sure. when they see the scale go up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Great. Um, let's go. The next one is going to be from Morgan Gill Fitness. Curious about your opinion on carb cycling five, two for weight loss. Let's say, for instance, let's say I ate 1,300 calories all week, typically around a 700-calorie deficit for me, and then on the weekends, ate close to 2,500, so 1,200 more on the weekends. Would this prevent uh, metabolic adaptation and keep my hormones functioning well? Uh, so she said that that's a 700-calorie deficit? Uh, yep. And how much is she? You said it's 1,200 extra calories on the weekends? Correct. So 13 to 25. Okay. So that's 1,200 times 2, which is 2,400. What's 700 times 5? 7 times 5. 35. 7, 14, 21, 28, 35. Yep. 30. So that's 3,500 calories. So technically, by what you're saying, if math is correct, you're still in about a 1,000 calorie deficit by the end of the week. Yeah. 1,000 calories isn't a ton. You might be losing quarter to a half a pound a week for some people that's the goal you know like for me for a while it was one pound now we're kind of lowering the goal to like quarter to a half a pound a week because as i get leaner we want the the progress to go slower basically but that would work but i think the, the point with that and like how i describe that is is there's nothing special about five two or carb cycling it comes down to the weekly deficit. So I did math to say, okay, if you're in a deficit this much, but then you go over by this much, how much, what's the net deficit by the end of the week? Yeah. I don't care if you do five, two, six, one, seven, 14, three, four, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? The end of the week, where are your calories? Ultimately, I mean, I know it sounds very simplistic, but that's, that's really what's going to happen. They call it a weekly caloric deficit. Yep. You you want to accomplish a weekly caloric deficit. There you go. And, I like 5-2 approach when somebody has struggles adhering on the weekends, but they're really busy during the week. So if you're really busy during the week, it's easy to eat less because you're just going, you know, you're nonstop. That's how I am. Like on the weekends, it's way more difficult for me to adhere to my diet because, you know, like Saturday, like I'll go to the gym in the morning, come home, we're just chilling. I'm like not even hungry, but I'm like, I just want to snack on something Yep. because I'm just sitting here, Yeah. you know? So like... For people like that, I'm like, hey, let's give you a little bit more cushion on the weekends and then create a bigger deficit during the week, and it works. But she asked about hormones too, right, like at the end? Yeah. Uh, she says – Is it going to avoid metabolic this, adaptation? Yep. Would this prevent metabolic adaptation and keep my hormones functioning well? No. Um, it may – Prevent it? Mitigate it. Mm. Slow it down. It's not going to prevent it. Yeah. So if you're in a weekly caloric deficit, you are going to lose weight. If you are losing weight and or 
are in a deficit, metabolic adaptation will occur. If you are 200 pounds right now, and by the end of your diet, you are 160 pounds, you lost 40 pounds. No matter how you periodize the diet, you are 40 pounds lighter, which means your body needs 40 pounds of less energy, essentially. Like, right, they have 40 pounds less to try to maintain, sustain, and, and function with. Right, if I'm 200 pounds and I'm walking around, it takes me more calories to walk up and down the street than at 160 pounds. So, metabolic adaptation. This is where people like get freaked out by metabolic adaptation. They they look at it one sided as in like the deficit is causing this, but it's more than just the deficit. It's how much you weigh, it's how much you move, all those kind of things. So, um, so no, it's not going to avoid metabolic adaptation. The best way to avoid or or try to slow down metabolic adaptation so it doesn't affect you as greatly is going to be to to watch your steps because if you can try to maintain your neat you're maintaining a big part of what metabolic adaptation is. One of the biggest things is as you go into a deficit, your body will basically just want to move less and less. So you'll burn less calories through neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Totally. And so if you can know where you're at going into this and try to sustain your neat levels throughout the diet, then you can avoid some of the metabolic adaptation. The other side of it is you're in a deficit you're going to deal with it. Yeah. And then the last part of it is if you take diet breaks properly, you might be able to slow it down just because you're giving yourself some time out of the diet. Not because a diet break or a refeed is, is like reboosting or recharging your hormones. Yes, there is a leptin and ghrelin response. Yes, there is a cortisol decrease when you increase calories, which may have an effect on the thyroid and some, some metabolism and some stress hormones and sex hormones. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not enough to say, like, I prevented metabolic adaptation. It's simply, like, at the end of 16 weeks, I either dieted straight through, and that's 16 weeks of dieting, or I did 16 weeks, and I took diet breaks every two weeks, which would mean that that was, like, 12 weeks of dieting yep. in a 16-week span, yep. which means you had less time in the deficit, which means you had less wear on your body, which means you had less of metabolic adaptation. Totally. So, um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's a great approach. It can work. Dr. Uh, Bill Campbell did a study on this. I had him on the podcast after he did the study. The study went really well. It didn't really show any reversal of hormones, but it did show um, better muscle maintenance for the people who did the 5-2 approach versus just a straight linear intake. And uh, so to me, it's worth it. Some kind of diet break is always worth it, in my opinion. Totally. I love it, man. All right. Um, we got one from Saffron. Saffron, Saffron, Bert. What are some ideal warm-up sets for heavy compound lifts? Should you use certain percentage of your heavy lift for your warm-up weight? I think there is like, uh, there's a good article on this that like breaks down, like you start with just the bar, then you go 50% of your, your working weight, then 60, then 70, you know what I mean? You can mm. work up. And I would say you can work up by 10%. It, it depends on what you're doing. Like, if you're, sorry, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Are they asking about a warm-up weight on a certain exercise? I think so. Okay. Not I don't know what exercise, but I don't think like a general warm-up. Okay, I think okay. like, uh, I lo this is why I actually call them ramp-up sets there instead of warm-up. Because when you say warm-up, you're thinking literally like, when I get to the gym, what am I doing to warm-up? But warm-up warm up sets, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Warm-up sets are like ramp-up sets. And that's where it's like, okay, I'm going to, like, so... On Monday, yeah, when I hurt my back. Yeah. <laughs> so, mind you, my warming up for the the squat is not what hurt my back. Uh, we're gonna record a separate podcast on how I hurt my back, but I warmed up perfectly for that. Like, did my full dynamic warm up, did some nervous system activation stuff, yeah, and then I started with just the bar. Then I went one thirty five. Then I went uh, added thirty pounds, so I went one eighty five. And, so um, so and I just kind of like, I'm sorry, not one eighty five, one sixty five, and then I did. 195 and I just basically added about 30 pounds so 15 on each side until I got closer to like 80 to 90 percent of where I wanted my working sets to be and that's when I was like more intuitive because I think I can plan so like when we went to that it was like okay you're gonna hit a one rep max today and it's it's sub max it's not like balls to the wall the most you've ever lifted but so when I went in there I was like okay the most I've lifted since my knee surgery on a squat was 365. So I'm going to come into this and I'm, I'm, I literally was like, I'm just want to hit 315. It's like, if I hit 315, I'll be happy. Cause that's like heavy, but I know I, I can move it well. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm not going to fail that lift, but it's sub maximal effort. Right. So knowing that once I got to like 275, I, I wasn't 
adding a certain percentage. It was like, all right, 275 felt good. Let's go 285. All right, that felt good. Let's go 305. I had 20 on this one. That was tough. Let's go 315. You know, and then after 315, I was like, all right, let's go 335, which is what I ended up hitting. Yeah. You're going to do the podcast right now. I know, basically. But, um, well, I'm going to talk about the life lessons. I know, I know. You know, but, um, but yeah, so, like, with that, I don't know what percentage that was. You know, did I increase 10% until I got to my working weight? Maybe, but I would consider anything 80% or above of your estimated working weight as a working set. For sure. So, if I knew I was going to hit three, if I wanted to hit 315, whatever 80% of 315 is, that's when my working sets start. So, yeah. however long it takes you to get there. Now... The heavier you are, the more sets that takes. If I was doing a bench press, I probably would have done three or four less sets because I'm not benching 335 pounds. Yeah. I probably would have worked up to like 250. I think the, the max I did earlier this year was 275, right? So that's significantly less, so I won't need as many warm-up sets, right? Deadlift is, is over 400, so I would even need more warm-up sets. Ramp up. Ramp up sets, yeah. So it, it really kind of depends. I don't think there's a perfect way to do it. I think I think you have to be an experienced lifter and kind of trust intuition to an extent, but definitely don't rush into it. I used to be the type that was like squat the bar, then add 45s, then add your second 45, and let's get after it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, it's like, but that's a, that's a quick jump. Yeah. Going from 135 to 225, it's almost 100 pounds. It's like, I know you can do it, but why why do that? You know, why like, rush it and. I'm not trying to say it's dangerous, but it's it is dangerous. It could be. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, I know I know power lifters who are lifting three times as much as me that warm up with the bar. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like so if this guy that can squat eight hundred, nine hundred pounds is starting with just the bar, maybe I should too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good conclusion. Like, I don't know. And and I and I don't think I like we slowed down the video, but I didn't move super slow. Like yeah. it, I like moved through it fine. It's just that my hips were shifting. Yeah, and you that's haven't, you haven't posted that yet. No, I'm posted today. Okay. By the time they hear this, they will have seen. Oh it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I already wrote it up All for right. the caption. I'm but, saying I can make it in real time. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's honestly, it's one of those things where it just depends. Now, after a like your compound lift, you go to accessory work. You don't really need many ramp up sets every sure. sometimes i will like if i'm doing like a heavy rdl after squat i will do ramp up sets and i'll start pretty light just to get the form down and get flexibility and then i'll add load for sure um but yeah i don't think there's any perfect way to do it i think you got to be somewhat intuitive i think a 10 percent increase until you get to your working weight within 80 percent of your working weight is, is a good way to go for sure love it man all right um we got a next one is from valerie 0809 she says, what does undulating and conjugate mean in regards to workouts? Why is there a D in there? Undulating. Undulating. That's a weird-ass word. Um, do you know what it means? <laughs> in, no. In, in context, I'm going to say, like, like periodiz- periodizing, periodizing. It's a type of periodization. periodization. Yeah. But liter- quite, like, literally, it means... Uh, Undulating is like alternating. Mm. So waving things up and down, in and out, right? So an undulate so so there's different forms of undulation. So you, so technically carb cycling yeah can be undulation. You have high carb days and low carb days. You know, you're cycling highs and lows days and um an undulating periodization model usually is done in the context of a daily or weekly undulated periodization model. A daily undulated periodization model is where you have the same movement and or muscle group, I guess you could say, because there's different ways to do this, but you're hitting it from a different intensity every session and you do it multiple times a week. So you're undulating your intensities. Okay. So I might do a barbell bench press Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've done this before. Monday is five by five, heavy strength work. Wednesday is six by three, speed work with a low percentage, right? So like you're going lightweight but fast. And then Friday is like four times 10, hypertrophy right you can go you can even do like more of a strength undulated periodization where it's like you're doing sets of three then you're doing sets of five and then you're doing sets of seven right so all relatively low they're all going to build strength but you're hitting the same movement pattern from different intensities and loads throughout the week which is going to improve multiple qualities so if i'm doing the, the original form of dup is basically 
like if you're doing power lifts, bench squat, deadlift, you would do like a strength day, a speed day, and a hypertrophy day. So now instead of me taking a month to work on speed and power, a month to work on strength, a month to work on hypertrophy, and then phasing back and going through these blocks, I can work on all three qualities every week and slowly but surely get better at them all. And it works. Um, so you're rotating through it weekly for months? For months. There you yep. go. Um, Instead of doing it month A lot week. of times people say, oh, I'm doing a DU pro- DUP program, and they literally think, oh, you're bench squat deadlifting three times a week because that's what, how the original study was done. But you can do DUP with curls. If Monday I do sets of six, Wednesday I do sets of 10, and then Friday I do sets of 15, I'm literally doing a daily undulated periodization model for curls. It's just a concept. It's just a concept. It's in. It's an intensity wave loading strategy. There you go. So it works. I think. I think it can get carried away where you're doing. If so, there's this. There's like one of the scientific principles of strength training, which is a great book. If anybody listening wants to like dive deep into strength, it there's a there's a rule of specificity. It's one of the main principles of strength, right? So specificity implies that you have to do specifically what you want to improve. So a DUP model, although it's specific to in trying to get stronger, but you're using multiple qualities to improve that strength, it's it's somewhat unspecific because now I'm doing some strength, some speed, some, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. a better program would be a four-day week daily undulated periodization model with two focuses, which is more of like a conjugate method. So a conjugate method isn't really a periodization style, Conjugate method is, is, it's like me creating a program design strategy called tailored programming, right? Conjugate is made by Westside, but they named it conjugate. It's not like scientific literature. It's concurrent. So concurrent means you're doing multiple things at once, which daily undulating periodization is kind of that. Yeah. Typical concurrent training is like, oh, I'm going to power lift and be in a, a marathon runner. Two completely polar opposites, endurance and strength, and I'm going to put them together. Gotcha. Um, Whereas daily undulated periodization, it is concurrent because you're working on multiple things at once. However, your, your main goal is one thing, get strong as fuck. Yeah. Um, that being said, conjugate method is a style of concurrent that uses daily undulated periodization in, in a go. sense. You have a max effort and a dynamic effort day. Max effort, you're lifting heavy, low rep. Dynamic effort day, you're, you're doing speed work. So now, like that first model where you go strength, speed, hypertrophy, now I'm just going strength, speed, strength, speed every week which is more specific because there's less variety. For sure. Right? But there's enough variety to where I can work on multiple qualities at once and not have to have these phases like a typical block periodization model. Um, I prefer a conjugate method more than most. Uh, and I like it because it's two, you're focusing on two qualities. And you can even spin it like, oh, I don't want to – maybe I just want to get strong and big. Okay, we'll remove this, the speed days and do hypertrophy days. So now you're going strength, hypertrophy, strength, hypertrophy, upper, lower, you know, uh, yeah. still the same idea as a con- conjugate or concurrent or a daily undulated periodization model, but we're doing it for just two qualities instead of three, which I think is more beneficial. Um, the way I do it is I do work all three, but I don't work speed as a way to improve speed quality. So we spend very, very little time doing speed work because most of my clients don't give a shit how f- like their bar velocity is. They don't care how fast they bench press. They care about being stronger and looking better. I know that if we work on speed, neurologically speaking, you are going to improve your strength. Totally. So if we start your heavy strength day with three sets of speed bench with a light weight, just to fire up your nervous system before benching heavy, we get the benefits of that power development work without spending too much time in making an unspecific program. So we're keeping specificity in place. So I, I'm much more of a fan of, of the, the strength and hypertrophy undulation every week and then just sprinkling in some throws or sprints like just for a few sets just to excite your nervous system before you lift. Makes, it, makes you stronger in your lifts and makes it safer. Now, weekly undulated periodization model is the same thing but you're changing it bi-weekly. So this is what I did in Functional Muscle 2.0. You have hypertrophy days every week. So it's an upper-lower push-pull leg split. The push-pull legs is, is hypertrophy every single week. I change certain things week to week, but it's, it's always hypertrophy because the main focus of functional muscle is to build muscle. So hypertrophy is, is not a weekly undulated periodization. It is a linear, always doing it. That's specific to the program. The weekly part is week one, you're doing strength work. So I think it's like four by five, bench, squat, deadlift, right? Week two, you're doing speed work. 
So now I'm doing speed bench, speed deadlift, power development. Yeah. Week three, I'm back to strength. So now instead of alternating each session throughout the week, I'm alternating every other week, right? Sure. So now I go yeah. week one strength, week two power. That's a weekly undulated model, which which does work well too. Um, I know people who do that and they span it over the course of months. It, it works really well because it's a little bit more specific. So I know that the answer is all over the place, but I think that... Not really. I mean, you broke it down pretty well. You know, I, well, I think if you want to know like what they are, that's what they are. What's best for you? Yeah. I can't really say it like because I don't know you. Get but, on a consultation call. Yeah, exactly. You know? Seriously. Or sign up for a trainer because when you go in there, like there's... Like, we're going to guide you on what program fits you best. Now, I personally think that most people who are not competing in anything besides life, conjugate method works really well. Yeah. Conjugate method allows us to go, all right, we're going to do a little bit of strength, a little bit of hypertrophy, a modified conjugate. So more of this, like, uh, two times a week undulation that I talked about, like what I do for most of my clients. Because now we're mainly focused on looking good because that's what you want. Yeah. We also want to be strong so you live longer, you're resilient, your joints don't hurt, and you move well, Right. Um, and you can still recover from it because you're not doing too much and there's no specific outcome at the end, like for a competition or anything, you're just looking good and feeling better, Yeah. you know? Um, and I even do that with the, that's exactly what I do with the WWE guys. Yeah. You know, like they need to, they don't need to improve performance necessarily. They need to maintain their performance where it's at and look better on state on, on camera. And I know if I can keep them healthy, they're going to be able to do it for longer. Yeah. So this is the same exact model I use for them. Damn, but that was awesome. Yeah, that was a good question. If you didn't just listen to that entire answer and you don't want to join the Taylor Trainer, <laughs> I'm not sure what you want to do. You put a lot of thought and science and man, I think honestly, thought into that. dude, strength training was my first love. Like yeah. a lot of people know us for nutrition because that's you know most of our coaches are nutritionists. Um, most of them do training now as well. Cause we have systems in place to, to offer custom training to clients, but, uh, training was why I got into this in the first place. You know, like yeah. originally I was just a trainer and like all I, I mean, yeah. all I cared about was how do I get extremely jacked and strong Yeah, and not get hurt along the way, which I did multiple times, but you learn and dug deep into it and then yeah. pass that knowledge well, off. And, and you know, like. I can keep trying to learn about nutrition, but there's there's more limitations on nutrition than there For is sure. training. You know, there's, I mean, <laughs> calories in versus calories out is like the answer to almost everything if you really boil things down to it. Um, there's obviously intricacies where we can really improve performance and digestion and stuff like that, which is more fascinating to me than anything else because fat loss really comes down to calories. Mm -hmm. Now, we know a lot of people have issues beyond just losing weight, and if we can fix those issues through these other modalities and methods then we can get them to lose more weight but training god dude there's just so many ways to do things like there's so many different styles of programming and periodization and there's so many different exercises and there's so many different intensification techniques you can use in those exercises like there's just so much for sure there's so much involved um that I just, yeah, I fall in love with the process of learning about training man and it makes programming so fun for me I would never have guessed man yeah <laughs> That's awesome, man. All right, let's uh, go on to the next question. We got a couple more here. Um, Kelsey S Caesar, uh, with with gyms being closed, what are your programming suggestions for an intermediate lifter who is who has very limited equipment? Again, yeah, we got so a lot of options. I think she literally said twenty pound dumbbells is all she has. Which my first recommendation for anybody is like go get some more shit. Like yeah. I know like usually I don't usually I don't give any advice that requires somebody to spend money cuz we don't know anybody's financial situation, but if you can afford to start investing in equipment, like I mean if the pandemic didn't show you anything, yeah. <laughs> it showed you that you should invest in a garage gym, yep. you know. Um and yes, we do have programs like this for the t in the Taylor Trainer, but I think that what what I would recommend is is full body uh because you're going to be able to like if you can't – so there's three levers, right? They're not the only levers, but they're the three main levers. Volume, intensity, frequency. I can't raise intensity because I only have 20-pound dumbbells. Mm -hmm. I can't raise volume or I can kind of raise volume, 
but there's only so much I can do per session, right? So if I'm trying to have like high volume on my chest, I mean, how much can I do with 20 pound dumbbells to really hit my chest? Yeah. You know, like for me, I'd have to literally do a hundred rep sets of bench press and then a ton of push up variations. So instead of me doing a ton of push up variations in one day, I'm going to do push ups every fucking day in a different way, you know, which is frequency. Frequency is the third toggle that that's the one we'd want to dial up. So I would probably go full, full body so you can try to hit every, almost every muscle group every single session, training five days a week probably. And I would keep your your volume at a level that it's normally at when you're in the gym from a sets per muscle group per week perspective. So if you're normally in the range of like 10 to 15 sets per muscle group per week, what I would do is basically try to hit your chest 10 to 15 sets per week. I would hit your back 10 to 15 sets per week. Um, you want to maintain that or even go over it. So if you usually hit 10, maybe you go to 15 because the intensity is so much lower when you're doing at-home workouts with light dumbbells and body weight. Yeah. You know, so it's important to, if intensity goes down, how can I increase volume and frequency? You know, there's two toggles that are going to be higher than the other one. Um, I would say there's a fourth toggle, but it's really like kind of over-encompassing everything and it's effort. If your effort's not there, then none of that shit matters anyway. I don't care how much volume you do or how in high intensity. You need to put in the effort as far as like how hard are you working which some people would classify as intensity as well. But in order to accomplish that, I would focus on RIR instead of rep count. So now we have, okay, I know how many sets per muscle group per week I want to do. I know that um, I need my effort to be high and frequency to be high. Frequency being how many times I'm going to hit, so I'm going to do full body. But my effort's going to be high by following RIR. So instead of me saying, hey, I'm going to do four sets of eight at an RIR two, which is a good hypertrophy strategy, I'm going to go four sets of dumbbell press at a RIR of two because now I got 20 pound dumbbells. Totally. So instead of me doing eight and saying, oh, it might have been RIR two, I'm going to literally go until it's truly, I only got two reps left in the tank. And I might even say go to failure or one rep in the tank because you might have one. Left. You might. Yeah. Well that, and you're, you're less likely to get hurt doing like failing on a dumbbell press with 20 pound dumbbells than you are on a three rep max of barbell bench press yes. with 200 pounds on the bar. You know, so it's, it's completely different. So I'm less worried about you getting hurt or burnt out from going to failure with body weight band and light dumbbell stuff. But I program, I have some programs that I literally, when, when people are in quarantine in the trainer or custom clients, literally it's, it's, it's straight up RIR. So four sets of this RIR one, four sets of this RIR two. You know, or we'll start, like, if we're doing four rounds, it'll be like, all right, our three, two, one, zero. Yeah. Get closer to failure as you go. Um, I did that with CJ. CJ, I, CJ is a similar situation. He was like, I got 35-pound dumbbells and nothing else. And I'm like, fuck, that's it? Why do you have, th- why those? Why yeah. that weight? <laughs> Such a random thing. Yeah. But I was like, all right, let me, I'll, I'll put something together for you. And I put together a program that was completely RIR-based. And he was like, dude, like, bench press with 35, because he can bench pretty heavy. Yeah. I was like, Go until you only have three reps in the tank. I don't give a shit if you do 60 reps. It's hypertrophy and body composition change is based on your effort, your intention. So it's like whether you're doing 20 reps or 40 reps, if you're two reps shy of failure, you're going to get the same benefit. Yeah. Not from a strength perspective, but from a body composition perspective. Strength perspective, we know it's so neurological that to build strength, you are going to be better off going lower rep with heavier weights. But for hypertrophy, you can go three reps, six reps, nine reps, 20 reps, 40 reps. As long as your reps in reserve is where it needs to be and your volume's there, yeah. you're going to see progress. So that's what I would do. And, and a lot of times that means you got to add in intensification techniques. Yeah. And that's just going to be, again, like segmented reps, pauses, negatives, drop sets, myo reps, EMOMs, EDTs, AMRAPs, all those kind of things that just make shit really hard. And and I, I like people working on work capacity in these things. So it's like, hey, we, we can't do a ton. So let's work on work capacity. How many times can you get through this workout in 30 minutes? You know, it's like a full pr- circuit with like eight exercises. And you go through one in a controlled manner. And I want you to improve your work capacity over the next month. So if you can get eight rounds in 30 minutes, I want you to get 10 rounds in 30 minutes at the end of this, you know, quarantine or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So work capacity is a great way, yeah. great thing to work on as well. Yeah. I don't know if you thought I said intentions, but I said I what I meant to say is tension. Like you always talk about uh, muscles are stupid. Yeah, but as long as that's gonna happen, you know, you're you can do sixty reps and yeah. still have tension on the muscles. And but that's the thing is, yeah, it's like mechanical tension is the number one thing that leads to muscle growth. 
So if you can provide an adequate stimulus to the muscle, an adequate tension level of Any tension. Any way, shape, or form. Yeah, you're going to grow. Yeah. Awesome. All right, I think we got one more here. Um, it's from Elsie Seberg. Uh, when taking on nutrition clients and starting them in a reverse diet, parenthesis, when they are previously intake is unclear, it is better, oh, is it better to start at a lower intake for the first week and move up as needed? Or start at a moderate intake and just see if their body responds to the consistency. She says in the middle of it, is it better to start at a lower intake relative to their estimated BMR? Basal metabolic rate. So BMR is basically like your, your basal metabolic rate is like how, like how much, how many calories does Travis need to just survive? Mm. Not training, not activity, like just live live okay and then we usually take that bmr and we we use a tdee calculator total daily energy expenditure calculator to estimate how many more calories we need to add on on top of that to maintain their weight because you surviving is different than you maintaining weight because you train every day you walk around you have neat you know what i mean there's things that you do that burn calories totally thinking actually you know what one of the most taxing thing from energy perspective is playing chess they did a study on chess Stressful. players. Dude, their mind works so fast because like they did a study that said like they burn like 6000 calories in a single fucking competition in a chess competition because the brain uses glucose. The brain uses carbohydrates to to function. But like if you think about chess player, they're like, "Okay, if I move here, he'll move here, which will means I'll have to move here and then this one. you know, there's like this yeah. whole long strategy and it goes, "Okay, so if I move this way, this will happen, this will happen, this will yeah. happen. And it's like all these things. So their brain is just going and going and going. But they did a study on it. I was super fascinated by that. Wow. I was like, holy shit. Do you know um, how to play chess? Fuck no. Okay. I've never played chess in my life. Okay. Never tried either. Yeah. But it seems really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm on that same page. Yeah. I think I've tried to play with my dad when I was super young. Um, but I'm, I don't – I remember like maybe moving a pawn and saying I'm over this. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a checkers guy. Let's go. <laughs> 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 checkers oh is more on my lane um but uh so so you're gonna want so you can go up to their bmr but you're gonna want a tdee you gotta calculate it by an activity calculator yeah because uh, their bmr is not going to be their maintenance calories that's just going to be what allows you to find out their maintenance calories so typically what i do in that situation is i take the person's age weight height all that stuff and i find out what i would calculate their intake to be for maintenance then I make them track for three to five days straight at least so I can see what they're currently doing. Because if I determine based on my calculations that they should be consuming 1,800 calories, but right now they're only consuming 1,100 calories, I'm not going to increase them to 1,800. Totally. I'm going to increase them to 1,400. Yeah. You know, make a small jump and then kind of work up from there. Um, so it kind of depends. It, it, it really, like, I don't think you should base it off of a calculation before knowing where they're actually at. So if somebody was consuming 1,100 calories, they should be consuming 1,800 calories, but they're eating half the protein they need, I might make a pretty good jump. I might go from 1,100 to 1,600 because I know we're going to add 400 calories in just protein, and then I'll add another 200 calories in carbs. It's a big jump, but it's a safer jump to do during a reverse anyway. So I make a bigger jump, and then I only have 200 more calories to increase until I get to that 1,800, right? So... And that at that point, I'm within range of their maintenance, which is healthy. So it really depends. I, I always tell people, like, get them to just track and get consistent with that first um, and really see where their intake's at. Then do a calculation and then try to meet them in the middle of that. Totally. Where they're at and where they should be at. Yep. Gotcha. All right. That was the last question for today. Perfect. Um, let's uh, wrap it up there and we'll uh, see you guys next week unless you got something <laughs> else i got nothing check out the taylor trainer if you want in i want you in yep that's it thanks for uh everybody that signed up on black friday yeah bye before i let you go i just want to say thanks i seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me educating yourself to get better results it still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn it's so empowering and because of that i have three quick things for you the first one is a personal favor please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, 
head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the nutrition hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.